The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the PFN Premier NFL Draft podcast. We are not going to waste any time because we're doing a full, we're going to, I guess we're going to try and get through all 32 picks, but you know, we'll we'll see. We're pretty long winded, as you know, by now, Uh, but we're going to try and get through a full first round mock draft post uh, the first wave of free agency just to see what might have changed, uh, what's going on in on draft landscape. So, Ali, how you doing? Real quick. Real quick. Thanks, Ali. Really- Appreciate it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> doing really good. Thanks for having me. Let's go. My God, we're just bringing the energy today. All right. Well, <laughs> just to give you guys a quick framework of how it's going to go. So, Ali has the odd picks. I have the even picks. We're just going to alternate. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to make the selections on our own. We're going to give some analysis. We did the uh, we did the math, the mathematics, the multiplication. And we think that if we average around 90 seconds per pick, we should be able to get through all of them uh, for a 50-minute time span. So, hold us to that. If we don't do that, hold us accountable. But right now, Ali, we're just going to get into it. So, I guess with that... You are on the clock. Jacksonville Jaguars, number one overall. I know we talked about it in the last podcast, the implications of signing Brandon Sheriff, especially, but also tagging Cam Robinson. You're on the clock. If you had to make your decision now, who would it be? Um, The Jacksonville Jaguars, for me, should be selecting Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama. There seems to be a a, a consensus. We've discussed this on uh, Monday's record, Tuesday's show, that all the free agency moves that the Jacksonville Jaguars have made are pointed towards Aiden Hutchinson being the first overall pick. And and while I see that, I hear that, for me, as we discussed on Tuesday's show, bring in Evan Neal, even start him at right right tackle if you, your plan is to, to keep Cam Robinson on that franchise tag for this season if he doesn't get traded. Bring in Evan Neal, put him at right tackle, six foot seven, 300 and whatever he is, 60 pounds, absolute monster athletic offensive tackle who can get the job done in the ground game as well. So we're not just talking protect Trevor Lawrence. We're talking about maximizing James Robinson and Travis Etienne as well as Etienne returns from from injury. I, I don't see a, a better solution for the Jacksonville Jaguars than taking Evan Neal at the first overall pick. Yeah, you think about it, they don't have any long-term solutions to tackle right now. Cam Robinson's on the franchise tag. Walker Little, yeah, he showed something in year one, but we don't know if he's going to keep that going. So it it does make sense to kind of bolster that unit, make it as strong as it can be. That's what I'm leaning toward right now. But I do think if Jacksonville doesn't take Aiden Hutchinson, then I think he's Detroit's pick at number two. So I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson. If you did take Aiden Hutchinson, then I would say Malik Willis because – you know, I if I had to guess, and this is what we've seen kind of in rumors, is that they really like Aiden Hutchinson, which is not surprising. I mean, he's a homegrown kid. He's got that all-out mentality that Dan Campbell would love. Uh, there are, you know, there are some minor concerns I have with this game. Efficiency and motion can be an issue. You know, I, he plays upright a lot, and he doesn't have great arm length either, which, you know, we don't want to overthink him for that, but it does impact his play at some levels. You know, you got – if you have longer arms – you can get to the contact point sooner. You have better conduits for natural power. It's just how it is. And I don't think he has elite burst off the line either. You know, I think maybe if he fixes his stance, he can get more out of that. But right now, I'd like to see a little more juice off the line. But aside from that, all-out motor, really fast, violent hands. And he does have good athleticism overall. You know, it's not like a weakness to his game. It's just if I'm comparing him to other blue-chip prospects, then I'd have to put him a notch down. But, you know, I, I like Aiden Hutchinson. And I do think at this point especially after his athletic testing, it looks like he's kind of a lock for a top five pick, especially if he doesn't go number one overall. I think the Lions would definitely be inclined to take him number two. So that's my pick. If it, if Hutchinson was 
gone at number one, I would take Malik Willis, but I'm taking Hutch because he's available. Texans are now on the clock. What you got, Ali? I know we talked about this one on the last episode, too. Yeah, and there's lots of potential permutations for the Houston Texans at the third overall pick. Um, you look at the roster, holes are plenty. You you know, depending on the, the outcome of the Sean Watson trade, they may have multiple picks in the first round or should have multiple first round picks. But at the moment, the third overall pick's the only pick they've got. I'm not letting Kayvon Thibodeau slide any further than the Houston Texans. I I hear what's been said about Thibodeau. I hear the issues and that allegedly exist with, with Kayvon and I don't see it when you watch his tape. I see an explosive pass rusher. I see a guy who is extremely athletic. I see a guy who plays the game with just insane athletic ability, insane insane change of direction ability, explosiveness. We've talked before on this show about what he brings in terms of length, in terms of his pass rush um, ability, how he how he rushes the passer. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is is kind of a can't miss pick and I think people who uh suggesting otherwise are potentially over overthinking it and and as far as the Texans are concerned, you know, holes all over the roster. They've lost Jacob Martin um to, to free agency, I believe. He's signing um a deal with the New York Jets that's been reported this morning. They did bring in some reinforcements in the form of Ogbonio Ocaronco, but uh, there's not an elite pass rusher. You think of the the Texans teams of the past, they've led from defense, they've led with guys like JJ Watt, bringing an elite passer like Kayvon Thibodeau and get the job done. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little frustrated because that was gonna be my pick at number four. So I gotta I gotta <laughs> think on the fly here. Yeah, I do, I do, I really like the signing of Jacob Martin for the Jets. He's an underrated pass rusher who, you know, I think at the very least can be a really good third rusher behind Carl Lawson and whoever they get in the draft. I do think. You know, they've been active in free agency, too. I mean, getting two tight ends, CJ Uzama and um, and Tyler Conklin, and then getting Jordan Whitehead, very, very good, uh, strong safety, and then uh, DJ Reed from the Seahawks. They're bolstering that team. I think getting a lot of good value deals in free agency so far. There are still some needs to go. At the number four pick, it's a little tough because, you know, I don't think a ton of these guys quite align with their needs. I know after getting DJ Reed, you'd have to imagine that him and Bryce Hall are going to be the guys at corner moving forward so i don't know if a mod gardener i think this might be a little too high for him given how he matches might be too high for a receiver too i'm looking at the jets man i know they just lost fully fatu kasi who's a really good run stopper i'm thinking honestly man i and this is just coming to my mind like just now jordan davis i'm oh, really thinking about okay. this i'm really thinking about this because fully fatu kasi was like their designated run defender who could help kind of like take up space for guys like quinn and williams and um, who's the other guy, Franklin Myers, to go off on guys. And I think that maybe Jordan Davis could have a similar effect for that defensive front. I don't think I'll do it. It's intriguing to me. I also think Ikem Aquanu is an option here because, you know, you just lost Morgan Moses, especially with Mekhi Becton and the issues around his weight. Uh, I do think that offensive tackle might be an area to address if you're the Jets, especially you just signed um, uh, Lake and Tomlinson. So you're definitely trying to strengthen that line. Well, got Elijah Vera Tucker. I think at this point you got to address tackle. Jordan Davis is a very intriguing one to me. If he's still there at 10, I might consider that just because I think he could have that fully impact. And then on top of that, he has potentially, you know, great pass rushing potential for his size for that role as well. But right now for the Jets, I know you got uncertainty at tackle, losing Morgan Moses to, I think he signed with the Ravens, right? And then uh, obviously Mekhi Becton, uh, not really, you know, some uncertainty there. So I'm going to go with Ikem Kwanu, put him at left to right. He's more natural at left, but. You know, I think he, he you could mold him into a right tackle if need be. So I come a Kwanu fourth fourth overall. 
that has scuppered my New York Giants plan. I kind of feel like it was a yeah, payback. yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I feel like it was payback. It was payback for the cave exactly. two pick for the Texans. Immediate back. karma. Ike McQuanu and the New York Giants for me has been a, a long-standing NFL draft uh, mock draft kind of stick that pick in there because I think it makes so much sense. But with Equano off the board, I think the New York Giants still have to address the offensive tackle position. They need to upgrade the offensive line. They've made some moves in free agency with John Feliciano coming in at centre, Mark Lewinsky from Indianapolis coming in at right guard. I still feel like there's going to be a need at offensive tackle. Nate Solder is a potential free agent. I've not seen any news or buzz on him as to as to what's occurring with his contract. But we know that between Andrew Thomas and Nate Solder, they've not been able to quite get the job done at the bookends of the offensive tackle position. So I think you bring in Charles Cross, who is just an explosive athlete, exceptional footwork, Real great independent hand use as an offensive tackle. I think you bring him in, you stick him at left tackle, and you move Andrew Thomas over to right tackle. I think he had some exposure there while he was at Georgia. I think that's probably the best way to go about reshaping this offensive line and, and really figuring out what it is that you've got with Daniel Jones. Um, I don't see the Giants being in the market for a quarterback in this class. I think you protect him as well as you can this time around. You figure out what you've got in Daniel Jones in the 2022 NFL season. And then potentially, if you figure out that that isn't quite what you thought you were originally getting in Daniel Jones, you've got a better 2023 quarterback class to cherry pick from. So for me, you slide in Charles Cross at fifth overall to the New York Giants and you put the Carolina Panthers on the clock at six. Great transition. I love it. That's Thank what you. teamwork is all about, guys. I'm getting choked up over here. All right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers in number six overall. I think that, you know, here's the thing. I would love to go tackle here, and I do think they love Trevor Penning. Uh, for me, I think it's between Trevor, Trevor Penning and Kenny Pickett uh, because I do think at the same time, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, I think it's either one of them off the off the board first at the quarterback position. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on what the Lions do at number two, if it, Hutchinson is on the board or not. Obviously, he was on the board here. Um, I know the Carolina Panthers love Penning, all right, and who wouldn't, right? I mean, that Mauler mentality. There are some technical issues that kind of get overlooked because of that, but he does have astronomical upside. That's undeniable. I just know they have Taylor Matan still, uh, and they signed Austin Corbett to uh, man the interior and free agency, upgrades their interior unit a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm kind of on the fence here. I just know they really want to move on from Sam Darnold. And again, I mean, we, we can see why. Obviously, it was a bad trade to begin with. Didn't pan out. I think at this point, you have your pick of the litter at quarterback. And I do think it's a pretty deep tackle class, all things considered. Obviously, if you're the Panthers, you'd have to wait until outside of 100 because they don't have a ton of picks. But I do think, you know, quarterback is a little bit harder to find than, than tackle. And I think me personally, if you can get your pick of the litter, obviously, Matt Rule was a guy who recruited Kenny Pickett went back when he was at Temple. So there is a little bit of familiarity there. I think Pickett's a guy who could come in and maybe, you know, help, you know, kind of put a high floor player in that position right away for the Panthers and maybe evolve into a Derek Carr type of guy who can at least keep you competitive and win you games. Uh, so I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett here at number six. It was between that and Trevor Penning, but I just think quarterback is more important. And so far, the Panthers have addressed offensive line a little bit in free agency enough for me to say maybe they're trying to at least get to a level where they're comfortable bringing in a rookie quarterback. So I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett, first quarterback off the board. I, I, me personally, he's still my QB one just by a hair. I, I really like the, um, 
the high floor. You know, he's definitely got the mental traits. And then he's really good mechanically, really good off script, very good athlete. Arm is an elite, but I think it's good enough to be an NFL starter and a productive one of that. So Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. Giants, you're on the clock again. And the blue half of New York is going to put a dagger into the green half of New York's NFL draft plans because with the seventh overall pick, the New oh, York no. Giants take defensive tackle out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. Now, wow. okay. I I think this is high for Jordan Davis. Do not get me wrong. But I feel like you look at the Giants and what they need to do is they need to build on both sides of the trenches. So you start at start pick five with an offensive tackle in Charles Cross and you switch bases and you go to the defensive side of the ball. Austin Johnson's just left to go to the Los Angeles Chargers. You've got a hole in the middle of your, your defensive front in between Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Danny Shelton's a free agent as well. You plug in a guy like Jordan Davis who just eats up double teams, eats up triple teams, in fact, and you allow your guys like Aziz Ojolari to go to work. No doubt they'll add a, a later round, um, later round pass rusher. I think as well the Giants in this class. So you get Jordan Davis to plug that hole in the heart of the defensive line. You get your outside linebackers like Aziz Ojolari go to work, and you really start to address the, the Giants' pass rush in that respect by by plugging in Jordan Davis. It is high. I appreciate. I think his combine performance is really going to have an impact, whether we we think it should or not. I think that exceptional athleticism that, that Jordan Davis showed at the NFL Combine is going to maybe shake a little few, uh, shake a few things up in the, the process where a team is probably going to reach for Jordan Davis and and I can really see the fit there with the New York Giants at seven. Really interesting because that's a lot of size on the interior there. You look at Jordan Davis, Dexter Lawrence. I mean, but we know the Bills, uh, Joe Shane, the Bills love size on the interior. That was one thing that really stuck out in the past few years and i think you get that with jordan davis obviously also a guy with his athleticism might not be a premier pass rushing threat right now but can absolutely be developed into it so i'm a little jealous you, you took my guy i was looking for him at 10 or maybe you know i know the ravens at 14 would have been a nice one too for him but he goes top 10 in this one which could happen ultimately falcons at number eight now and i am really i'm kind of torn between two guys here ahmad gardner and kyle hamilton i think those are the top two guys on the board I think, you know, both at positions of relative need for the Falcons. I'm leaning Ahmad Gardner just because getting that guy opposite A.J. Terrell, I know that would be a very good corner combo. A.J. Terrell, obviously that lockdown guy. He should have been an all-pro this past year. Uh, but he could funnel targets to Gardner, who's a very good playmaker at the catch point with his explosiveness and length. You know, that's a lot to deal with. I also know Kyle Hamilton would be a very good piece on the back end. I'm going to go with Ahmad Gardner just because I think – you know, for what he can do in DB's scheme, having that versatility at corner to play man or zone. Obviously, I think, man, I'd like him to improve his press technique a little bit more, but I do think he improved his efficiency in motion. You know, some people say he's really stiff. Uh, me personally, I, I don't think it's quite that bad. I do think he's fluid enough for his size. Uh, absolutely, in 2019, was pretty, you know, bad with his efficiency in motion, would kind of stagger on transitions. I think he improved a lot over the course of his career. And he's got that straight line explosiveness, the playmaking ability, the absolute alpha mentality. I'm going to go with Ahmad Gardner and create one of the most fearsome cornerback tandems in the league. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Seattle Seahawks are on the clock at number nine. I think we all know what's going to happen here. I'm Malik Willis. <laughs> Malik Willis. Um, it's it's going to be Malik Willis. I, I don't believe that the Seattle Seahawks traded with 
the Denver Broncos for with the Russell Wilson trade for any other reason than they knew who their guy was. We saw this with the San Francisco 49ers around this sort of stage in the draft process last year. Traded up. They knew who their guy was. It was Trey Lance all along. I think the Seattle Seahawks have done exactly the same thing. It's not coincidental that this trade has taken place as Malik Willis ascends in this 2022 NFL draft class as he shows the guy he is off the field as well as on the field through the senior bowl and through the NFL combine. I don't think the timing's coincidental. I don't think Drew Locke is the long-term solution in Seattle. I think Malik Willis is the guy that that team want, the guy who comes in with the mobility and the strong arm that Russell Wilson has provided that offense for, for these years. Um, I, I think he's the guy, and I think that's why they've made the move when they did. I think that's the move that they'll make on draft night. The exception the being, as you've talked about, the Detroit Lions at two. If the Detroit Lions take Malik Willis at two, I think that throws a huge spanner in the works. But with this mock draft here on the Pro Football Network Premier NFL Draft podcast, Malik Willis is the pick at number nine, and the New York Jets are back on the clock at ten. Let's go. Dude, I love how this lined up. The Giants, you got both of those picks. I got both the Jets picks being the odds and the evens. Pretty nice, pretty nice. But yeah, I do think that the general consensus is that Willis probably won't get out of the top nine because the Seahawks are there. That kind of seems like the absolute floor. And it could happen. He could fall. We don't know exactly how teams feel about him. But just looking at the upside and how he's won over teams in interviews so far, it, it kind of looks like he's rising toward the top, right? So that's something to watch. I'm going to make this quick for the Jets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Kyle Hamilton. You know, I, I would consider wide receiver here. I love Garrett Wilson. He's my wide receiver one, and they, they haven't done a lot at that position. They obviously re-signed Braxton Berrios, but again, doesn't really move the needle for me. I would love to get a guy who can be on the boundary, can move around and provide an easy separator for Zach Wilson. That said, looking at the value equation, I just think Kyle Hamilton provides a little bit more. He's both of our top-rated prospects in the entire class. Um, And I do think, you know, the 40, a lot of people made, you know, a bunch of stuff out of that. I don't put a lot of stock in it because explosiveness, I think, is more important for safety. I think Hamilton plays faster than his 40 time. He's a long strider, can cover a lot of ground, and he's very instinctive, very quick processor, really proactive playmaker who can play faster because of that, right? So I think aside from that, very explosive, uh, has that elite athleticism and instinctual combination where I can say I'll put him at the back end and let him feast for years. And I do think adding Jordan Whitehead, you know, they could complement each other very well, a la Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson over in Denver. So I, I love the potential of that combination. So I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton here, move him around, let him be that playmaker of your defense. And I think you can take it to the next step. I'm going with Kyle Hamilton. You have got to know, as someone who's covered the Washington football team, you have got to know that that was sat there ready and waiting for Kyle Hamilton to drop to Washington at 11. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm sorry, Washington fans. I'm really sorry. I know that probably felt like a dagger in the heart, so I'll, I'll offer my condolences there real quick. I was I was just sat here watching. When you went Amar Garner over Kyle Hamilton for the Falcons, I was like, yes, yeah, so this is all falling in nicely for Kyle Hamilton at 11 for the Washington Commanders. And that has absolutely ruined my afternoon. Let's go Garrett Wilson at 11 for the Washington Commanders because... <laughs> You've invested in Carson Wentz. We've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. The, the investment there is now made with Carson Wentz. You're eating that salary. You've given away some of those picks. You've either got to surround him or you, you, you're getting a guy to come in and compete with him. And I don't see... Um, I don't see the, the consensus right now of being that the Washington commanders will come in and 
and get a guy at 11 to, to compete with Carson Wentz. So you've got to assume that they'll surround him with talent. Terry McLaurin is a fantastic wide receiver in this uh, in the NFL. You put a guy like Garrett Wilson alongside a guy like Terry McLaurin, and who are you going to cover? Like, who are you going to cover when you face the Washington Commanders? Because Garrett Wilson is a three-level threat who we've talked about him before. You know, a contested catch connoisseur, really does the business at the catch point, adds value after the catch as well. Incredible route runner. Uh, both of our wide receiver one in this 2022 NFL draft class. Pair him up with Terry McLaurin. Let them go to work. See what Carson Wentz can offer for the Washington Commanders. It seems like a long shot. Feels like a long shot, but that, I think that's the move that the Washington have got to make. Yeah, I, I love that one too. You know, I I think that uh, you know that was something I wrote when the Wentz trade happened. Like, hey, I don't love it. I would have gone QB at eleven, but now that he's there, get him weapons. And I think Garrett Wilson is the best wide receiver in the class. So that makes a lot of sense. Moving to number twelve now. This is an interesting one. I do think you know, especially with the new coaching staff coming in. And with Michael Pierce getting cut, you know, I was thinking of this maybe for uh, Jordan Davis as well. Obviously, you took him super early, so I can't do that now. But I do think, um, you know, there are some options for the Vikings. I think especially uh, they're trying to trade Daniel Hunter right now. So once that happens, once he's gone, uh, they're going to have they already have a need on the edge. It's just going to get worse. So I think me personally, looking at the value that's still on the board, I want a guy who can come in right away and provide value and still have upside. And looking at the board, I think no one embodies that more than Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, you know, I was just rewatching him this morning just to make sure, you know, my impression of him was correct. And I do think I'll be moving him up in my final top 300 big board. Um, obviously, tested very well at the combine um, and has enough explosiveness. I think I'd put him at like an eight on my grading scale, which is great. You know, not elite, but definitely good enough to get displacement in the NFL. You know, he can get uphill in a hurry. Uh, he's got those long strides again. But you know, the more important, the more impressive thing for me with him is his hand usage. Uh, he's got, I think you could argue he has the strongest hands of any edge defender in this class. I mean, he is con consistently breaking anchors, resetting his anchor, you know, and just, you know, stacking hand moves very violent, very fast and forceful, but also very precise and detailed. You know, you want to be precise. That's how you channel that force most effectively. And he's very good at doing that. He's very good at multitasking, doing that as he uses his ankle flexion around the edge. You know, again, you know, he's got enough explosiveness and acceleration to get around. And then he's a technician on top of that, a brutal technician. I absolutely love Jermaine Johnson after, you know, exposing to more of his film. I'm going to take him here. I think if you're the Vikings, if you need a guy to provide value right away, just solve that problem at edge once and for all. I think Jermaine Johnson does that. So I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson here at number 12. Ali, you are on the clock again. I love that for the Vikings. Jermaine Johnson is just an incredible talent. When I when I first sat down and really studied his tape back in October, November, I was blown away by this kid. Um, and he's only established himself as a, a bigger threat in this class as the the process has gone on. The senior ball, the combine, just an absolute stud. The Cleveland Browns are on the clock at thirteen, and my God, what a mess this franchise is actually in. Doesn't feel like that long ago since they were celebrating the arrival of Amari Cooper, and now we're talking about a trade for Deshaun Watson. We're talking about Baker Mayfield not being adult enough for the Cleveland Browns. What a what a situation to find themselves in. If, if they don't get the deal done with Deshaun Watson, they're on the clock at 13. What do they do? Because they've got needs edge. They've got needs at defensive tackle, I feel. Even adding Amari Cooper, I think they've got needs at wide receiver. But I don't see how this relationship, this situation with Baker Mayfield is resolvable. 
And I think if the Cleveland Browns don't, even Browns don't get the job done with Deshaun Watson, they're on the clock for a quarterback at 13. And I'm sending in Matt Carroll, uh, Matt Carroll out of uh, Old Miss. Mobile quarterback, live arm, um, a leader on the field. You know, Baker Mayfield, whatever you think about May- Baker Mayfield, think about what he's done for the Cleveland Browns in terms of leading them to their first win after that barren spell, leading them to the playoffs. He's been a leader for that franchise, whichever way you look at it. And Matt Corral is that type of player. He's that type of leader. And he brings, you know, on the field and off the field, the leadership. He will drag a team on his back physically, literally, and will drag a football team on his back on the football field. He has got, he's shown exceptional arm talent. He's shown the ability to to create as an athletic talent. Um, and I think you bring in you bring in Matt Corral and you partner him up with Amari Cooper and you watch him go to work uh, behind one of the better offensive lines in in the NFL. Which you what more could you ask for as a rookie quarterback is to land in a situation with a great offensive line. Um, little dinged up this year that offensive line, so it didn't really show. But on the day they're a great offensive line. I think you know Cleveland Browns Matt Corral. That's that's the the situation. Yeah, and that's a tough one because it all hinges on Deshaun Watson. I feel like right when we release this mock draft, the Deshaun Watson trade is going to happen and we're going to have to scrap all this again. That's how it happens. <laughs> it's always always how it works in the NFL. But, you know, if they can't trade for Deshaun Watson, if they don't get him, then you're right. The writing is on the wall for Baker. He's probably out either way. So if that happens, you're looking at a QB at number 13 overall. And Matt Corral is one guy who I think offers a little more upside, definitely a leader, as you said. So uh, the, the talent's there. And I think especially in Ke- Kevin Stefanski's scheme, uh, it could really help him kind of hit the ground running there. So I'm a, I'm a fan of that pick. To the Ravens at 14, uh, their free agency has been interesting. Uh, signs at Darius Smith, Marcus Williams, so edge safety right off the bat. Morgan Moses, so there's your right tackle. You know, obviously some injuries to account for at corner and left tackle, but I do think there's talent there if they can get healthy. Uh, so really, I can for me at this pick, it narrows down to, you know, defensive tackle. Obviously, I think you need a nose tackle. I would love Jordan Davis here. Mm-hmm. Ollie, God, I can't. I'm never gonna get over that. I'm never gonna get over that. <laughs> I was really counting on that. Uh, so yeah, but I got I got to think on the fly here. This is what you do if you're an evaluator. You know, you have contingency plans, and you guys probably know uh, by my reaction, I didn't have one here. So I'm thinking on the fly. But I do think, um, aside from nose tackle. Um, could get a three tech in there. They got Derek Wolf, but again, you know, the ro- Justin Madabuke as well, but the rotation isn't super deep. Uh, I'd like to get another guy in there potentially. Could also get a center. Obviously, uh, Patrick McCarry has been solid. He's versatile, but, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is still on the on the clock here, and I would, you know, love to add him to that mix as well, kind of solidify the, the offensive line, get that fulcrum in there. So I think for me, it's probably between – Devontae Wyatt and Tyler Linderbaum, if I had to pick. Um, could also go wide receiver again, but I do think the Ravens have a lot of picks in the first four rounds, and there's a lot of quality receivers in this draft. So I would probably push that off until round two or three or, or even four. I think I'm going to go with shoot, this is tough, man. I don't even know. I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt. Uh, I really like the fit. You know, I think if you get a solid nose tackle, He's got the elite athleticism to really be a, a you know, tremendous pass, pass rushing catalyst. Uh, he's pretty alignment versatile, too. Like, I wouldn't want him two-gapping, but I do think he can move around the line a little bit. He was really good at three-tech, but can go to two-tech and go to four-eye a little bit. Uh, so he can move around pretty versatile. And then just violent hands, very twitchy, elite lateral athlete. 
has great burst, a little older, but I do think he's a guy with his athleticism and, and pass rushing arsenal can come in and have an impact right away. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Devontae Wyatt. He was very good at the senior bowl. I'm going to take him here. If you're the Ravens, hope you can get a, a nose tackle, you know, maybe bring someone in a free agency, right? But if you can get a nose tackle who can at least take up blocks, then Devontae Wyatt can feast on those one-on-ones opposite Justin Matabuke. So I think that can really complete your defensive line going with Devontae Wyatt at 14. Absolutely love where your head's at. I just made that pick in the first round, uh, one round mock draft that I've written just literally two, three hours ago, finished it up. And I was thinking, am I crazy sending Devontae Wyatt to the Ravens at 14? I'm glad I'm not crazy, turns out. Um, either that or we both are. Um, Philadelphia Eagles I mean, are on the You are crazy, but that's beside the point. So. That's a different matter entirely. Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock at 15. I'm going to make this real simple. The Philadelphia Eagles seem to be um, a team that consistently needs to upgrade their defense. They have added, they've added Hassan Reddick uh, in free agency, which is a great get. I think they still continue to address the defensive line. Um, they've got three picks. They can really over, overhaul this defensive line um, in this first round of the 2022 NFL draft. We're going back-to-back Georgia's players. We're going Trayvon Walker, the edge out of Georgia. I love what Walker brings to the field in terms of multiple aspects. He's very versatile. A kid that's played at 275 and 290 with no discernible drop-off of his athletic ability. Incredibly agile athlete. You watch him jump from the A to the B gap as if you know it ain't no thing, almost like he's teleported across. Um, he can he can do multiple things for this Philadelphia Eagles defense, I feel like. Um, we, we heard yesterday he lined up at, uh, and did some linebacker drills um, for the, at the Georgia Pro Day. Again, just really showcasing what an athlete he is. Got that ability, and he's done so in game situations to drop back into coverage and really confuse and discombobulate. Uh, there you go, Ian. Um, an opposition offensive coordinator. So I think we're sending Trayvon Walker to the Philadelphia Eagles at 15, and they're back on the clock at 16. Yeah, we got to get that word in at least once every podcast from now on. It's just For the thing. sure. It's, it's just what happens, man. Looking at the Eagles at 15. Uh, there's a, a, a quite a few areas you could address. I would go linebacker, but our good friend Mike Kay told us yesterday that the Eagles haven't selected a linebacker in the first round since like 1979. So, you know, I I, I love to break the trend here. I think the Kobe Dean is a great fit. What they need uh, to kind of solidify, be the you know glue of that unit, be that absolute Mike who can kind of call the signals and get guys in the right in the right spots. But again, you know, I, I do think looking at that trend might be unrealistic especially with the bugs we've been seeing that dean might be slipping down boards so you know i i, I don't agree with it i love him as a player but you know it, it is something to take into account so I'll, I'll pass on that here uh looking at the team needs i mean you could get another corner in there uh you know you could get on the offensive line jason kelsey's coming back but might be his last year maybe if you really like linderbaum you have an extra first round pick so maybe take him there I know it's up to you. Wide receiver is another area I think that, you know, really, aside from Devontae Smith, you have basically no one. I mean, it's a really, really thin unit. So I think I'm going to look at wide receiver here. And looking at who's left on the board, uh, you could go Chris Olave, Drake London, Traylon Burks. I think I'm going to go Chris Olave here just because I think easy separation, deep speed, uh, you know, and when the ball comes his way, very good ball tracking ability, soft hands. I don't think he's quite as consistent uh, under contact as Garrett Wilson. That's one reason why Wilson's higher on my board. But Alave is a very dynamic threat who I think provides a lot of reliability as a wide receiver. And Devontae Smith's 
uh, you know, commanding a lot of attention with his sheer ability to separate and get open and make those tough catches. You know, these are two guys who can play very well off of one another. And also in the short range, I think a lot of it has the speed to, you know, take those drag routes, get into space and, you know, kind of surge into space upfield once he does get the ball. Again, not a, as as good of a rack threat as Wilson, but has the speed that translates in that role. So I'm going to go with Chris Alava here at number 16 for the Eagles. I think just bolstering that receiving core, getting a guy who can be productive early on and, you know, kind of have a steady role, that can go a long way. Yeah, I think Chris Alave is a quite popular pick for the Eagles in the first round. You know, all those first round picks, they're going to be able to address both sides of the ball. Um, so it's a, I think Chris Alave is a great spot for them. Um, Los Angeles Chargers at pick 17. Probably the winner of free agency right now. Um, with all the moves that they've made, the Khalil Mack um, trade, the signing of JC Jackson in free agency, they've got one of the scariest defences in the whole of the NFL for the 2022 season. It's almost tempting to make them even scarier as well, because if you look at the, the Chargers last season, one of the, the downfalls of that team, one of the um, the low spots was the linebacker position. They've not got the production and, um, uh, and uh, skill, for want of a better word, out of Kenneth Murray that they thought we were getting in the first round with uh, the kid out of Oklahoma. Um, so linebacker is kind of a weak spot as you look at it now in that uh, that significantly improved Los Angeles Chargers defense. But I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the ball because I look at the offensive line. They picked up Rashawn Slater last year and he had an incredible rookie season. They've released Brian Balaga with an injury um, designation. So they're in the market for a right tackle. Right guards um, is a spot that they might need to address. Corey Lindsley at center is a 30-year-old center. Matt Filer um, is at left guard at the moment. I don't think he's particularly a, an elite guard at the, um, the NFL level. So I'm going to send the Los Angeles Chargers, my guy, Zion Johnson. You bring in a schematically and positionally versatile offensive lineman when you've got multiple needs on there. I think Zion Johnson comes in as a day one starter for the Los Angeles Chargers. You can plug him in anyway. You plug him in at left guard. He's seen exposure at tackle took snaps at centre in the senior ball. Um, so I think you, you, you pop Zion Johnson into that offensive line. That helps um, Justin Herbert to thrive. That helps the run game to thrive with Austin Eckler. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the, the Chargers address the running back position at some point later on in the draft. But for now, let's make things easier for the running back. Let's make things easier for the quarterback. Let's bring in Zion Johnson and allow him to thrive in Los Angeles. And let's put the New Orleans Saints on the clock at 18. All right. Yeah, cool. Just a heads up. We are, I think, 35 minutes into this. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try and speed things up a little bit. Obviously, it's kind of tough with the Saints, right? Because if they have that 18th pick still, theoretically, you're thinking they didn't get the trade for Deshaun Watson. But, you know, we're going to take some creative liberties here, honestly, because it's a mock draft and we're going live. And I don't really I don't really want to slow down. So I think thinking about what they need let's you know hypothetically say let's say they give them their first rounders in 23 24 25 obviously that's not realistic right but uh you know what if they were able to keep this pick and get Deshaun Watson or maybe re-sign Jameis Winston or you know roll with Taysom either way you know I do think 18 is a good spot to let the value play on the board and Trevor Penning is still there Teron Armstead left in free agency they need a left tackle uh so I I'd love to see you know, if they could get a quarterback in free agency or via trade and get a, a still get a tackle in round one because they they obviously need it. And I think Trevor Penning, you know, I think he goes a lot earlier than this uh, just because 
people love that Mahler mentality that he has. I don't think he deserves to go that high. I think there's still technical issues that kind of get overlooked, like pad level. Uh, the footwork can be a little sloppy. Um, but I do, I, I can't dispute if you can make the most and mold his traits, he can be a very good starter. He can be a game changing starter. So I'm going to go Trevor Penning here. And ideally, the Saints get a, get a quarterback in free agency or trade. If they can do that and use the draft to their advantage to get a tackle like Trevor Penning, or, you know, maybe even in the second round, I think Tyler Smith is a really good, you know, proposition there. He's kind of a similar player in the sense that needs refinement, but an absolute mauler. That's the kind of guy I'd be looking for from the Saints. But a natural left tackle, physical, athletic, powerful. Trevor Penning has the goods. I, you know, I'm I'm putting him there, uh, letting him uh, letting him really go to work alongside Ron Ramchick. Let's put the Eagles on the clock at 19. They've already got their edge in Trayvon Walker. They've got their wide receiver in Chris Olave. You mentioned cornerback as a potential need for the Philadelphia Eagles. I hear you. I'm giving them Lewis Seam, the safety out of Georgia, because I think you look at the the Philadelphia Eagles line, um, safety duo, Anthony Harris, Roddy McLeod, both set for free agency. Don't know what's happening with their contract situation. Bring in Lewis Seam. This kid is absolute dynamite. He's explosive as they come. It's as hard as you like. You, we mentioned linebacker. They're not going to draft a linebacker in the first round and probably not even in the second round. Bring Lewis Seen in because he can do everything all over the field for you. He's a three-level defensive threat who comes down and hits you hard in the alley. He's intelligent, diagnoses well against the run, and he's he possesses um, incredible coverage capability as well. I think you're looking to upgrade your defense. You're looking to upgrade your secondary. Start with the spine of your defense. Start with a safety. Start with Lewis Seen. The, Philadelphia, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock at 20. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, uh, yeah, weren't the Eagles in the sweepstakes for Marcus Williams? And then he went to the Ravens instead, I think. That's what happened. Something like that. Yeah, so that's a good fit. I love seeing he's a great player. Looking at the Steelers, and this is something that we talked about on, I think it was the previous pod, where um, they signed Mitchell Trubisky to a two-year deal. I don't know about you. For me, that does not – well, actually, I do know about you. We talked about this. Uh, For both of us, it does not – uh, prevent them from picking a quarterback at 20th overall. I think if a guy falls, a guy that you like, then you got to take him, right? And I do think uh, it's been Pickett, Willis, Corral so far. That still leaves Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter, both of whom I think are guys that could have fans at the NFL level. Uh, I do think the Steelers have, I think they've filled a few holes so far this free agency, uh, getting Miles Jack, uh, getting uh, Levi Wallace, a corner, and then on the offensive line, re-signing Chikuma Okorafor, who's not great, but at least a solid stopgap, at the very least a right tackle, and then getting James Daniels as well on the interior. That's a home run signing right there. Um, so I do think they've done enough work where you can use this first round on a quarterback if you like a quarterback. And looking at, you know, what the Steelers need and what's available, I, I think, you know, I don't want to – Part of me doesn't want to pick Sam Howell because people will say, oh, Mitch Trubisky 2.0. I don't think he's that. I think he's a better prospect than Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I'm probably going to go – I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter uh, because I do think the upside is a little bit higher with Desmond Ritter. I think he got the athleticism. The arm is very good. Um, really, the key thing with him is the mechanics. It still hasn't really gotten fixed at this point, and that those mechanical issues precipitate into bigger issues later in reps, You know, like not enough velocity, inaccuracy. If you can have some time to fix that, which behind Trubisky, I think he certainly would, it could really benefit him down the line and turn him into a solid starter. So Desmond Ritter for the Steelers at number 20, getting that quarterback and putting him in the wings and letting him wait. 
we talked just before we came on to record about the New England Patriots and they're up on the clock on the 21st overall pick. I don't remember a time where it felt like the New England Patriots had got so many needs as they approached two, uh, the, the draft. And as they approach the 2022 NFL draft, you can pick a pick a position group and there seems to be needs there. Linebacker, cornerback, offensive line, wide receiver, clearly. There's, there's just so many needs for the New England Patriots. Thankfully, there's plenty of prospects that meet those needs as well. And with um, with some of the guys that are still on the clock here, I'm looking at Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. With Dante Hightower out of contract, with Jawan Bentley out of contract, Lloyd just feels like a great fit for the New England Patriots, an athletic linebacker who's intelligent, uh, you you wrote in your um, scouting report on Devin Lloyd about his ability to see things um, and and alter how he plays the game based on those. Particularly at an instant you you pulled up about him moving himself to play the edge position while telling a lineman to move inside. I think that molds perfectly with what the New England Patriots do defensively. The very um, they disguise their defensive formations. They rotate. Defensive players all the time, and I think you bring in a guy like Devin Lloyd, who is athletic enough to to come down the hill and hit you in the mouth, but still be able to be a, a good coverage linebacker as well. I think he fits in perfectly with what New England Patriots want to do, and he's he's going to come in and and take over that Dante to Hightower role for the Patriots. That's solid. Yeah, I, I love the idea of Lloyd going there. I think Bill Belichick, this guy who'd really know how to use him, it's Bill Belichick. And so that's a great fit for him. To the Raiders at 22, I am going to go with Jamison Williams. And there's an interesting thought process behind this. I do think wide receiver is still a very big need. Obviously, the Raiders have filled a few holes so far in free agency, trading Yannick Ngaukwe uh, for Rocky Asin the Colts corner who's coming off his best season, Rocky Asin and Trayvon Mullen instantly a very good corner duo. Uh, and then getting Chandler Jones on the edge uh, alongside Max Crosby, getting Bilal Nichols on the defensive line, who I think is a very underrated player from the bears. Uh, the, the Raiders have done a lot of work so far and they're improving their roster. I think that at this point, you know, this is a strong wide receiver class one where I think you could get a guy like Jameson Williams who might not be available very much in his first year, but when he's finally fully healthy in that year too, I think he could absolutely change the complexion of your entire offense. I mean, the guy has game-breaking speed. Uh, I was in, incredibly pro- impressed with his upside as well. He's got great hip sync, has body control. He can track the ball, make some acrobatic catches, really long frame along with that elite speed. Uh, and he's a competitive guy too. He's chippy. You know, he's willing to get in DB's faces. I love Jamison Williams as a player. I think he's more complete than Henry Ruggs was coming out. Uh, still, obviously, that rug situation ended, you know, it, it was tragic how it ended. But, you know, I think Williams gets you that speed element that you're lacking now after that, after that all happened. And, you know, you won't have it right away. But I do think this class is deep enough. Get Jameson Williams now. Maybe get a guy like Danny Gray in round five. You know, and stack guys just like that. I think that's an opportunity for you to do that. And when Jameson Williams does come back in year two, to come back to full strength anyway, it could be a big game changer for your defense. So I'm going Jameson Williams. He's right behind Garrett Wilson in the wide receiver one race for me. If he was healthy, you know, I I you know I think he could challenge for that. I'm a big fan of his game. Let's make this thing super simple for the Arizona Cardinals because they brought in Jeff Gladney to the cornerback room who um I, I think is a superb cornerback, meets that needs that they've got. Um they're a, a long time 
and landing spot, corner uh, cornerback landing spot for some of the premier cornerbacks in this class. But they've lost Chandler Jones. I think you look at the NFL draft, you look at the pass rushes that are on um, on display in this this class. You've got to, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, I think you've got a cherry pick from this class in the first round. And for this mock draft, I'm giving them David Ajabo out of Michigan. Replace Chandler Jones, a hyper-productive NFL um, pass rusher with David Ajabo, a hyper-productive college pass rusher with incredible upside as a prospect. Um, some talk about him going top 10 at, at times. Um, during this process, just from the sheer explosive nature of his play this year for Michigan. It's kind of slipped a little bit down the order here in our mock draft. Um, I think there's some stuff to work on in terms of how he plays against the run. But when you watch David Ajabo, you can't help but be wowed by his um, his ability to get to the quarterback. Some of the refinement in his moves for a kid who's relatively experienced to the game of football, spin moves, you know, that just, just look so natural. I think you plug him into that Arizona Cardinals defense and, and watch him absolutely thrive down there. I'm a fan of that. Well, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not a fan because I was I was eyeing David Jabo for the Cowboys at 24. I think um, <laughs> you know it, it's been a it's been a comparison that's been made. Randy Gregory, you know, purely talent wise, and I can see that for sure. You know, I do think a Jabo has the length, the explosiveness, the bend, all the natural talent is there. And I do think he's shown flashes as a run defender, too. He can set a half-man relationship, keep that arm out to kind of wall off lanes. He's shown he can do that. I think technique-wise, you know, positioning-wise, still things to work on, but the traits are there. So definitely a worthwhile investment. And I think if you're the Cardinals, he's also been compared to Chandler Jones at his absolute peak potential. I know he models his game after Chandler Jones. So very exciting potential there for David Ajabo who could turn into a quality player down the road. I think uh, that's a great pick. Moving to the Cowboys at 24, I'm inclined to go edge again here as well. Uh, I do think that, you know, especially losing Randy Gregory is big. Uh, you know, he was kind of coming into his own last year, had a career year, then flip-flopped at the last minute, went to the Broncos when the uh, Cowboys trying to try to tinker with the contract. So, you know, that that's a loss for you. You know, obviously, you could go defensive tackle here, too. I know they don't have a ton of depth there. Osa Digizua, a great player in his first year, but you could have more rotational depth, playmaking ability on the interior line. So, really, for me, it comes down to uh, probably, you know, honestly, Perry and Winfrey or George Karloftis. And I think at this point, at this point, man, I mean, the edge class is deeper, but I do like... George Karloftis, he's a little bit higher rated on my board, actually considerably higher rated. He's almost a top 10 player for me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't like him at first, but I came back to him and I was more impressed with him the second time around on his film. Uh, the explosiveness is one of those questions about him. I do think he has good explosiveness, especially when he has a, a runway, that closing speed, that build up speed can really close quickly when he has that. And then, you know, on top of that, he's got great power, powerful hands, forceful hands. And he's got good ankle flexion, too. That was something that surprised me. You know, like he's not just a, a pure power guy. He's got a little bit of finesse to his game where he can accelerate around the edge and kind of lean, reduce his surface area as he keeps his hands active. I love that about the guy. Uh, and he's also a stand-up guy off the field, really good character. So George Karloftis, I'm, I'm just going to take him. I know the Cowboys were eyeing Zedarius Smith as a free agent. I think Karloftis offers similar upside. You know, I think he's a power rusher with a lot more to his game, and, and I'm a big fan of his, of his play. So George Karloftis going alongside Demarcus Lawrence, that's a duo I can get behind. We talked earlier about the Los Angeles Chargers and what an impact they've been able to make to their defense and to how scary that defense is. And then last night, the Buffalo Bills dropped the Von Miller trade six years 
$107,000 million. I can't remember exactly the exact amount. It was a lot of money, let's put it that way. Scary defense in Buffalo. They've also added um, Roger Sappold on the offensive line, re-signed Mitch Morse, so getting better in the trenches. Let's give the Buffalo Bills a cornerback two to play alongside Tredavious White. And in all honesty, whichever of these guys that they the Buffalo's Bill, Buffalo Bills got, if they're in this position in the 2022 NFL draft, neither of these guys are a cornerback two. Both are legitimate cornerback one contenders. Derek Stingley Jr., Andrew Booth Jr., which junior goes to Buffalo? Let's give them Andrew Booth Jr. He's my cornerback one in this class. There's some injury concerns, we know. This goes out Friday. He didn't take part in the Clemson Pro Day today, Thursday. Um, Going to have surgery on a muscle injury that is an additional surgery, um, which is an additional injury to the one that he sustained at the NFL Combine, which prevented him from competing there. The injury concern is going to be a concern for NFL teams, but what isn't a concern is Andrew Booth's ability to play the game of football. High-level athlete incredible athletic ball skill ability. Some of the intercept, best interceptions you'll see in college football came from Andrew Booth Jr., a physical guy who likes to get involved in the run game, develop mentally as a prospect through the 2021 college football season as well. I love Andrew Booth. I think he's a steal for the Bills at the 20, at 25 spot. With the injury concerns, there's potential that he drops even further. But it's a great spot, great cornerback two option for the Bills alongside Trinavious White. Titans are on the clock at 26. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we are up to 50 minutes now. So we got we each got three picks left. I'm going to go rapid fire through mine. I'm going to try and think about think of them quickly. Titans, I got to go trail on Burks. I think that, you know, the comp has been made to A.J. Brown. I like the Des Bryant comp as well. You know, I think those are maximum projection comps for him. But uh, really good size speed athlete. Four five at six two 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 twenty five is nothing to scoff at. And he's got 33 and a half inch arms. So that really wide catch radius can make plays at the, at the catch point, attacks the football, but a great run after catch threat too. You know, uh, the contact balance isn't quite as good as you'd expect for a size, but explosive and open field has great lateral agility. You can make guys miss. And I think he's got route running potential. Again, I don't think he has elite hip sync, but he has shown that lateral agility. He's flashed good releases at the line where he can separate, get that displacement. I'm a big fan of Burks' game. Uh, he's moving up for me late in the process. And I think for the Titans, especially after releasing Julio Jones, that's the way to go. Yeah, for sure. 27, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom's back. Godwin's signed. Ryan Jensen's back. They're probably going to just bring back the whole crew again. Rob Gronkowski's probably coming back, let's be honest. Um, for me, with Derek Stingley Jr. still on the clock, you've got to swipe a cornerback. Um, one of the biggest weaknesses... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers team last season was elements of the secondary. They brought in Richard Sherman, for Christ's sakes, to try and uh, solve that problem. So you bring in Derek Stingley. Again, we talked about elite cornerback potential, cornerback one potential. Bring him in, plug him in, play him. Hope that he recovers from the injuries. That's the big concern at the moment. Um, and I think you put him in a locker room with a guy like Tom Brady, Tom Brady's going to sort out some of those issues that potentially reside about whether... Derek Stingley Jr. wants to be a great football player rather than just a good football player. So Stingley, I think that's a great landing spot for him with that leadership um, under Tom Brady um, in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and they, they love athletic corners too. They love taking chances on those guys. Stingley is that, so that's something to think about as well. Moving to the Packers, um, I was going to go edge here. I think DeMarvin Leal is an interesting fit because they love those bigger edge guys. And I think DeMarvin Leal, he weighed in at 283 at the combine, get him down to 273, put him on the edge full-time, maybe a Cam Jordan type of player, obviously not quite the athletic 
upside that there, but still good athletic upside. Still, you know, enough where you can say this guy can be a, a, a player for sure. Um, but I'm going to go with Daxon Hill. An interesting pick. Uh, didn't test quite as well, at, you know, in the explosiveness drills, but that's something you got to circle back to the tape on. I think looking at the tape still has that elite closing speed, that elite burst off the line. You know, I'm a big fan of Daxon Hill and the, the sheer closing speed that he has. And on top, on top of that, very physical player, very proactive playmaker. It, it all clicked for him in 2021. Uh, the processing, you know, clicking and closing and, and really reacting quickly and acting on that information and using his elite athleticism to make plays. But he's versatile, too. I mean, this guy can go too high, single high. He can play corner. I mean, he was on the boundary at times, and he's got super fluid hips, so he can do that as well. He can really do anything you need him to do. And I think for the Packers, if you want that third safety or a slot corner, Daxon Hill can do both of those things for you. So I think he really opens up the possibilities for your secondary. I'm going with Daxon Hill here at uh, 28 for the Packers. Miami Dolphins are in absolutely the most perfect situation that they could have possibly imagined. Needs at center, need at linebacker. You've got N'Kobe Dean on the clock. You've got Tyler Linderbaum on the clock. They added Connor Williams at guard in free agency. They've been linked with Teron Armstead to take him at left tackle role. I think tackle is definitely a need. Where they are at 29, with how the board has fallen off, I think any tackle that they take here would be a reach. You're thinking Tyler Smith out of uh, Tulsa is probably the the closest offensive tackle at 29 um, to the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to give him Tyler Linderbaum, plug him in at centre. He'd be a incredible asset for the Miami Dolphins run game. We're going to see Mike McDaniel really take advantage of, of the run game in Miami. Uh, I think Tyler Linderbaum is a real um, key component of being able to do that. You watch how he gets out to the second level with his athleticism. You watch how he uses his wrestling background to, to create running lanes um, with, with relative ease for a kid who is what some people would consider a little undersized for the position. But I love Tyler Linderbaum. If you watch Iowa, you watch him get out in front of guys like Tyler Goodson to extend runs down the field. I think that makes you very excited for potentially what you could have in Miami. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love that fit. I love that fit. Moving to 30th overall, the Chiefs. I'm taking Kyrie Elam. I love Kyrie Elam. I, early on, I was thinking he might be my CB1. And now, now toward the end of the process, I'm thinking that might be the same c conclusion. Honestly, like it might be coming for a full circle, especially with the uncertainty at the top of the class. But Elam is tremendously underrated. I mean, he ran a 4.39 at the combine, I think. So, you know, definitely check that speed box. And he's explosive. He's got closing speed. But the best thing about his game, he's a long corner, but he's super fluid too. I mean, one of the most fluid guys in this class, really effortless change of direction and transition. Um, and then on top of that, super physical playmaker, very good ball skills. I think with Kair Elam, you're looking at a potential alpha lockdown number one corner. And, and I really like the upside here. You know, obviously it was kind of a down year in 2021 because he was dealing with injury for a lot of the year. But now that he's healthy, He's really showing what he can do in those position drills and those testing. You know, I'm a big fan of the guy's game. And I think Kyrie Elam, especially after losing Ward on the outside, uh, if you're the Chiefs, this is a guy who can really take your secondary to the next level. So Kyrie Elam to the Chiefs at number 30. Which leaves the Cincinnati Bengals in somewhat of a quandary because they need a right tackle. They might even need a left tackle. They've added pieces on the offensive line in free agency. Alex Kappa and Ted Karras. So the interior of the offensive line is particularly solid now. Um, but they need an offensive tackle. But like we said with the Miami Dolphins, I think here is a reach. I look at the Cincinnati Bengals and their needs. Defensive tackle. They definitely need a, um, a three-tech, although B.J. Hill's re-signing. Um, 
makes that less of a need. Um, they certainly don't need a wide receiver, although there's Drake London still sat around on the clock. I look at how Eli Apple got torched in the Super Bowl, and I can't help but think that Cincinnati Bengals need to add another cornerback to their roster at some point. Let's do it here in this 2022 NFL mock draft with Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Incredible athlete. Um, some of his numbers, his testing numbers from high school have been insane. Some of his testing numbers through the process have been insane. Incredibly intelligent cornerback. Um, ticks all the boxes really you can think of when you think about cornerback play at the next level, other than maybe a little bit on the smaller side compared to some of the guys in this class. But he certainly plays bigger than his size, I think. And this is a kid who... Um, who I think can do wonders for the Cincinnati Bengals secondary um, if they select him at 31st overall. All right, and rounding it out, rounding it out with the final pick in this mock draft. Obviously, we went a little bit over, but we had to get this wrapped up. Uh, and honestly, I thought this was a fun exercise, kind of going through it rapid fire, live stream, you know, it's the way to do it. But uh, for the Lions at 32, and for Lions fans, I'll give you, a, I'll throw you a bone because they don't just have the 32nd pick, they have the 34th pick. And I've, I'm looking at two guys right here. I'm going to go with N'Kobe Dean right here. I think he is exactly what you've been looking for at the linebacker position for years. I mean, this is a guy, absolute Mike, very, very uh, smart player, fast processor, but also incredibly explosive, dense, physical. You know, he with his size, you'd think he'd get, you know, kind of washed out a lot on, on blocking. And don't get me wrong, he does get taken away by blockers on some occasions, but you know, he really plays bigger than his size, very physical at the point of attack, and really it helps him compensate for his size. So I think, you know, explosive, fast processor, two-phase playmaker, big fan of N'Kobe Dean's game, and he's exactly what the Lions need, that linebacker. So I'm going to take him here at 32. But you also have that 34th pick. And what I would do there is I would trade up to 33 with the Jaguars, just give like a fifth rounder or fourth rounder maybe. You know, I, I'm not good with valuation, but because the guy that you're getting there at 33 is Sam Howell. He's still on the board, and he can be a starting quarterback. I think if if you really like him, you know, try and wall off any other teams from trading up. And you might have to give, give up a little bit more if that's the case, if there's more teams trading for him. But, you know, get that secured because I do think Sam Howell, especially with time behind Jared Goff, can be a, a productive starting quarterback in the league. I think he's got a good arm, good athleticism, really tough competitor, really steely competitor. And, you know, behind that Lions offensive line with the added weapons, you know, that that's a lot to be excited about. So I think... I'd get N'Kobe Dean at 32, trade up to 33 just to make sure, just to kind of snuff out the competition for that spot, get Sam Howell, and I think you're golden. So with that, that's the end of our you know initial post-free agency mock draft. Obviously, a lot more updates to come. We're we're very, very we're very much not through the process. So there's still a lot to play out. Ali, I'm excited to maybe do this again, maybe a couple of weeks down the road when we do have a clearer picture. Deshaun Watson as being the biggest one. But as of now. This is it for, you know, behind the first wave. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Appreciate you. If you have any questions or comments on the picks, if you're here to roast us, you know, feel free to message, message us on Twitter. At uh, OJ Hodgkinson is Ali's. I'd hit him up first if you're looking to roast. And then at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine is mine. Obviously, at PFN365 is where you can find all of our draft content, free agency content, everything you're looking forward to right here. With that, everybody, I'm going to leave you right there. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good one.